Hi, I'm Jim Lloyd, and we're at the Withful Heritage Center as Junior Appalachian Musicians presents a visit with Tim Litz. Well, thank you for coming today, Tim. Uh, just glad to be with you. Man with a diverse background on music as you are, it's going to be an interesting interview. So, <laughs> Mel, I appreciate that. But I, you know, that's that's why I was raised. <laughs> what's your uh, What's your very first memory of music? Well. I was really lucky. My parents loved music. My father was a piano player. My mother played the piano. And uh, but we they were singing all the time in the house. So as a kid, we listened to Johnny Mathis and Nat King Cole. And uh, they say, well, my goodness, you do date back. Listen, I used to listen to the uh, the big band sound as, as a young man. Eddie Arnold, Daddy Loved the Cattle Call. We spent a lot of time, in other words, that in, in Southern Gospel, he, we used to watch the, the Saturday mornings, they had the gospel singing Jubilee, and the, you know, that was basically what I was exposed to. Rather than doo-wop and the, the motor, motor, what is it, moto? Motown. Motown, thank you. I didn't know anything about that. I had to grow up and learn it this and that up before I knew anything about Motown. But anyway, yeah, that's that's. So your your main exposure there at the first was uh, uh, more of a country genre, right? Yeah, Daddy, like I said, oh, he loved the Sons of the Pioneers and and and, and that kind of. Music. It was uh, well vocal music a lot. He liked the ink spots. You and I've talked about yeah, that a lot. Yeah. For the young ones who don't know the ink spots, you need to take time to look up on. YouTube and wonderful, watch the YouTube. Wonderful vocal group. They, they were wonderful. It's a different sound. But anyway, like I said, I, you, you mentioned one time, I said, Lord, I know about the ink spots. <laughs> so, now, you, uh, you, you took piano lessons. Yes, I did. Your mom and dad both took piano No, piano. my daddy played by ear. Mama was an educated. She, you know, the words, she went to college beyond school. And she took piano lessons. And uh, Daddy played by ear. I, he, I don't know where he picked it up, but he was played a really good piano, you know, by ear. So this is a this is a real piece of rural treat history. Oh yeah, when absolutely. You, when your mom, I'm assuming your mom made you take the lessons. Oh gosh, yes. Come on, let's go. And I'd cry. I didn't want to go. I I learned more. I didn't learn much about the piano. I learned a lot of music theory. But the yeah. lady that gave the lessons gave lessons in rural treat for how many years? Oh, my word. She was way up in her 90s when she died, and she gave lessons. And you said that earlier before we started the interview, she was a bit of a, she had a ruler. She'd whack the back of your hands, but she had an old metronome, you know, the swings left and right, whatever. And I could hear that old metronome. And through one of your friends, I was able to, buy a metronome and that's one of my prized possessions that every now and then I'll turn it on and I'll think back to Catherine and the tick tock tick you know that thing going now she taught generations and uh, generations and also had some experience with Winston Link when he was in oh, town yeah, absolutely uh, like I say a real uh, when we lost Catherine we lost a big part of rural tree you history. know we didn't we didn't ask her enough questions because you and I've talked about that a lot we we let the band leave us a lot of uh, time. Just to, uh, when old Winston Link was taking pictures, my 
mother's younger brother, his wife worked in the vines company next door and she watched the old man set up the lights to, to film, what was it, the pelican coming in the door retreat or whatever, the, the 611. The steam engine, yeah. yeah. When, now, when you would go take lessons from Catherine Dotson, what was that like? Well, the, it was, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, and, and uh, you know, she'd take it. Now, she always had a pencil. She'd always scribble, and she'd take, point that pencil, and, you, and, and I, I went and left the, the one hand, two hand, you know, just one note each. I never stayed long enough to read. And one of the most miserable times of my entire life was, was when we had to go do recital. <laughs> so, you know, actually, you know, Catherine was sort of responsible for me being in public. I joined the high school band and played trumpet. And Catherine loved the trumpet. So she would play organ music, and I had to play trumpet. Just, it was simple, uh, in front of church. Because I attended church. She was the organist at the church I attended. And we, uh, uh, and my notes I made uh, uh, in parentheses, that's when I learned to deal with terror. <laughs> <laughs> so the trumpet was your second instrument. Right. I didn't play piano. No more than I had to just to practice and then joined the high school. Well, it was, high, it was grade school. Joined the band, played trumpet. And then it was, when I was about 14, 13 or 14, we started. I asked Daddy, I said, show me some guitar chords. He had a little old cheap. Uh, Barclay was the brand. It was just cheap plywood guitar, and he taught me C, F, and G. And, and from that point, Mama had a songbook on the piano, and it, it was the Reader's Digest songbook, and it had chord diagrams. You know, had the piano music, of course, I couldn't play that, but there would be, some of the songs were complex, but I could, down in the valley, you know, that was one of them, and it, it had the chord diagram. So I learned C and D, I mean G and D, and, uh, you know, I watched the chord diagram. It show you where to put your fingers. And what, I'd gotten along well enough to play the chords, but I really couldn't play a song. Well, about that same time, my first cousin Steve, he bought, saw me playing, and he bought a little cheap guitar as well. So he and I got up there, now put your finger here and put your finger here, and, and we'd strum it. And so we, we asked around town, and I said, we'd like to learn to play, you know, not just to play a chord, but to play a song. And they said, there's an old man, used to be a barber, he lives up here on Richmond Avenue, go ask him. He played music, so we knocked on the door, and a little old wizened little old man comes out, he was Stuart Miller. Right. And I, I, I've got the distinction of being not the last, but Steve and I were one, some of the last of the students, that old man. We went and played on Tuesday night. We opened the door and he said, let's go play. So the old man had signals to change chords. You know, one of the things you have to learn, of course, when you play music, is listen for the chord changes. Well, the old man turned his head to the left for one chord and he swing his head to the right and he played a little homemade 
It's a four-string thing. It wasn't a mandolin. It didn't have but four strings, but it, he, he, it was something he had made. And he played Little Brown Jug and, and you know, old-time songs. And he'd throw up his head for another chord, so we'd sit there. Well, that night, he got finished with and said, okay, boys, we'll, we'll, that's all the lesson for tonight. He said, how much owe you, Mr. Miller? Said a dollar. Now, you need to keep that in mind. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he said, I need a dollar. I said, we'll give him a dollar. He said, won't be any more lessons. Oh, Mr. Miller said, we won't play. He said, oh, no, you don't need lessons. You know the chords that we're going to do. He said, why don't you come on Tuesday nights and we will play play. I think old man just wanted somebody to come. Now, Stewart was quite a guy. He uh, he was barber in rural treat from about 1920 to up in the 60s, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, every bit of it. And uh, he taught a lot of people to play. He had a had a Gibson dealership. He's told yeah. sold Gibson instruments, exactly. all sorts yeah. of things. And then he had uh, had the Miller Gibson Orchestra, which was a big thing too. It was a big deal. When was that? Late 40s? Well, late 30s. Late 30s, 30s okay. Mm -hmm. But uh, he taught a whole generation to play that. Oh, gosh, yes. And, and, and there are pictures that you can see of the Gibson Miller Orchestra. Wasn't that what they called right. the Gibson? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And we recognize faces you know, that, oh, yeah. that played in that. But Steve and I would walk. I would just wonder how many people would go through what that. It was cold. Of course, we weren't bold enough to drive. It was right in town, so I would walk from my house and meet Steve along the way. And we, we, he didn't have a guitar case. My guitar case was a plastic, just a plastic bag to put it in, and he had a sack, a feed sack. <laughs> he carried his guitar. He had to have a case as well, but he, uh, we would go. Oh, some of the nights were just absolutely bitter. And have to warm up before we could play, but that old man he fooled with us all winter. So, you know, as a you know a bit of history, I enjoyed uh, knowing that old man. He was really something. And when you uh, so you start off on guitar, and the first gigs that you did, what instrument were you playing? Well, when I the when I first really we did not play out except what we would practice in the uh, man room and we spent a lot of our time singing you know bluegrass songs country songs and uh, we would go uh, some of the first gigs were in church where there were several of us gathered up and we went to play gospel songs called it the briar jumpers now i don't know how where that name came from necessarily but one of the fellows was in there had an old upright bass well, it actually wasn't very old, but anyway, he he was from Greensboro, North Carolina. And after I got my driver's license, we drove to Greensboro to get that bass. He didn't bring it with him when he came. We broke up a band, didn't know it, bringing the bass. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> but with his tutelage, if I, you can use that word, I learned to play bass. I learned to play upright bass first. And we, we would, like I said, go to churches talent contest we could sing you know that was one of the things that they coach uh, <clears throat> coach the board told me and he had long retired he told me that you guys would even practice during study hall oh yeah we'd really he, he'd take the role and say go your ways 
Well, we'd line up to go to the band room to start singing, look up and hear he came. So we didn't necessarily have uh, anybody watching us for what would you, you know, he was watching us, but not to see if we behaved, so he wanted to hear us sing. That was exactly what, that was study hall. And you've said that one of your major influences was Nat King Cole. Oh, yeah, I, I still think he's the greatest singer ever lived. And, and, you know, he actually did a country album one time, and it was it's really good. He was such a refined singer. And one of the things all my life was, was toward was that kind of style singing. He was so refined. You know, Mona Lisa, and uh, he uh, did Ramblin' Rose. It was uh, what he made a hit, the Ramblin' Rose. So anyway, that, you know, really good music. And on the other side of the spectrum, I know you like Ray Price. And oh, gosh, yes, guys. yeah. Ray Price was my hero. Once again, refined singers. Of course, I, I like George Jones. He wasn't what you'd call refined, but they picked the best songs for George to sing. So we learned a lot of that. As I went through high school, you know, they knew I could play the upright bass. So for a graduation gift, Mama bought from Stuart Miller a, a Gibson bass, electric bass. Man, I got that thing. I, I, I used to watch people play said, man, I'd give anything in the world to play one of the guitars. <laughs> and I found out that learning to play the upright bass was a whole lot more involved. <laughs> it was a really good teacher. I started playing a fretless instrument and learned to have to, you know, learn to stay in pitch. And, and you know, the, the electric guitar, you know, was because you could see everybody on TV playing electric guitar. But uh, one of my really good friends, he and I started going to community college, and I wanted to learn to, to sing lead, you know. So Curtis and I, he was married to the uh, James Lindsay's youngest daughter, and he was living at, in the Lindsay home or whatever. So Curtis and I would go to the funeral home and go down into the basement to where the caskets. And James Lindsay was a funeral home director. He was so. the funeral home director. And he told us, you dang boys, don't you scratch my caskets. <laughs> so we would go, because there was no, you know, we wasn't anybody in the funeral home. It was deserted. And he and I would sit and play old country music. And that was that was actually where I got really started to sing. And uh, the reason I had to start singing, because Curtis wouldn't. He would play, it was, a, it was a decent guitarist and a really good piano player. Well, we didn't have a piano, we had a guitar and I had that bass. So Curtis would mumble a little bit of the song and then we'd, we'd just play a lot. Well, I soon found out that if I was gonna learn any country music, I was gonna have to learn the words. So I started studying the songs and learn the words and Curtis and I would go into the basement of the funeral home well, after he figured out that I could catch on, he was playing in a band, and they needed a bass player. The bass player quit, so I started playing bass, and, and we didn't play country music. We played the, uh, you know, the rock music of the time. Well, it was the soft rock, you'd say. Uh, and I've almost forgotten names to go along with it, but we played Beatles songs, and this was 
in the 1971, something like that. So the Beatles were still close by, and uh, uh, I, I, I can't remember. I have to look at my notes, but we won't do that. But anyway, we, we played the soft rock music, and the fellow that was the lead singer in the band was a really decent songwriter, so we actually did some original stuff. And the lady who taught chorus when I was a senior went through one more year, so in my second year of college, Curtis and I were riding together. We had a, a girl riding with us, and we would push the eight-track tape in. Now, this dates it pretty good. We'd push the eight-track <laughs> tape in, and she they'd sing two lines, and we'd un, you know, put it out right quick. Linda would write the words down, go up going up the road, push the tape back in, get the words. So that was, it would, you know, you'd go on YouTube and hear the song, and you can go on the site and get the words and print them. And at the time, it was a song that we didn't have, yep. have you know, any other way to do it. So where were you playing at that time? Uh, we played at the Withful Country Club, the at Pulaski Country Club, the, they'd have the women's club. That was when companies would have Christmas dances. So in September through February, you know, we played. It was funny, it didn't play much in the summertime. Nobody had dances. But all winter we'd have every Friday night. That that was uh, the little rock band. They play high school dances and stuff like that. So after that, you know, that was our and actually the money then was not much worse than it is today. It hasn't changed much. It has <laughs> not changed much. You and I talk about that all the time. And they didn't they didn't pay for us to learn the songs, they didn't pay for the instruments, didn't pay for the guys to get there. The only thing they really paid us for was to load and unload the equipment. And that's, I always said that was the limit of what they And you went from that bunch to playing with Jerry Stable. Yeah, I, I actually left and went to Richmond and was gone for a while. When I got back, just immediately got back in the band because I wanted to play Richmond. Uh, they didn't want a hillbilly to play music for them down there. So, I, you know, when I went home, and some of the proudest moments of my life was to get to play with Jerry Staley. And Jerry Staley played steel guitar. Steel guitarist. He was a premier steel guitarist. He could really play. So I, I got a really good uh, dose of that. And Jerry was really good to us. But one of the things, and I'd really like to bring this forward, that Jerry did was he did not allow drunks in his band. So I learned to play music sober. There's a lot of people, you know how to play music sober. I'll give you credit for that. <laughs> but there's so many people who had to be soused before they could play, Jerry wouldn't allow it. But so playing with Jerry, you went to a whole different genre and oh, different yeah. areas to play. So what was that like versus the 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 uh, Christmas parties. And well, stuff. Uh, we got to play year round, and one of the our one of the places that we played was the Happy Birthday USA, the Statler Brothers uh, program. I'll never forget that there was a sea of lawn chairs when we played early, but when the everybody was there, there were seventy thousand people in the stadium. They, like I said, there weren't that many when we went in there, but we got to play. We also spent some time at Chautauqua. We played several times on the 
the big stage. Whipple, in, Whipple in this, it's exactly right. Shelly Shelly West played, and we we fronted for her, and and but the same time that we were doing that, the Marion Fire Department at what was called the wagon wheel. It used to be. Well, they called it the Fireman's Jamboree. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. Jerry played there forever. And, and then after, the, the, under different management, we, we had the, the uh, wagon wheel. And they liked us, so we, we fronted for Steve Warner and Gene Watson and Mo Bandy. So we got to, you know, we got to, they didn't fool with us, but anyway, we got to play uh, <laughs> uh, b before them or whatever. So, so you know, it made a really interesting, and it puts a little bit of pressure on for you to be, you know, you couldn't just slop through. They liked us, so. And you were playing electric bass. Electric bass, that was, I, and, and then for years of it, I, you could really call me a bass player, not a guitar player. Don't pretend to be a guitarist in, in any way. Uh, but I was playing electric bass. And like I said, we still had the same circuit of the, of the, Christmas parties and uh, Valentine's Day, and then it, 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 companies were still doing it. They were still having things for their employees. So the uh, uh, women's club in, in Withfield here and one in Pulaski, I, we, they, they just called Jerry and, and we would go. Do you have any particular show that really sticks out in your mind, Tim? Any experience, good or bad, that was one of the one of the nicest times that I ever got to stand on the stage as we were playing the Chautauqua, and our keyboardist was a pretty fair singer, and he knew the words to it was actually Danny Boy this tune. He saw my need. I don't know. There's several gospel songs. Well, Jerry didn't know the gospel song. I didn't know the gospel song, but it was Danny Boy. So I never. We set up on Steve sang through it, and the crowd. This was you know they were like, there was a good five thousand people in that audience that night, and Susan, our singer, Susan Wolford, she was uh, our lead singer, and we were Jerry was playing the lead. We let him go, you know, just kept playing. Man, he could play that, and we got a standing ovation. You know, they, the whole, that whole bottom at Elizabeth Brown Park was standing and clapping. So, and you know, there's just some nights when everything is right. Oh, everything fits, yeah. no matter what you do, it's absolutely and right. And Jerry had it. He knew the song, We, you know, and he just, well, and, and the terms that you and I would use, he killed it. He was really on ball that night. It was the most... Loud, the, the, the sound people turned it up so that, and that was it was a chill bump night. That really was, and you could. People say, "Well, what's it like?" And you know the answer to this. I said, "What's it like to play in front of a big crowd?" It's easier than playing in a little crowd. Well, I agree. Yes, a whole the whole sea of faces that you don't know. Right, church. Is everybody staring at you? It's terror. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's places where you can hear a pin drop, yeah. as opposed to people yelling and screaming, <laughs> and clapping, and whoopee, and all this stuff. 
That was one of those days. And, and it was like we were in our own little world. But yes, that sticks out. That's a really good question to ask. And that was the night. I didn't have any trouble deciding that. How do you work out your vocal arrangements, Tim? How do you learn a song? Well, one of the biggest things, and my problem is that I don't have a great short-term memory. And there's a lot of songs I never learned, so I have a music stand and write the words down. I can remember the tune. I've got to have, and I don't need every word. I need one line, you know, one word in a line. So how do you learn it? It's, of course, repetitive, but when we drive up the road, one of the best places to learn a song is in the car by yourself. Sing along with the radio or sing along with the CD. And uh, if you screw up, <laughs> there's nobody to make fun of it. Well, now, what do you do if you're listening to a song like that, trying to learn it, and it's in a different key that you can sing it in? Well, it, you know, that, that a lot of songs. I'm a tenor. I'm not, uh, I don't, not baritone and, and Ray Price songs. Most of the time are in the keys that I could follow along <laughs> with him. But anyway, well, and it also helps if you like it. I've had to learn a lot of songs that I really didn't care about. Yeah. You know, you know all about that. But uh, we have, you and I both have one of the greatest friends who ever was. He dead and gone now. But one of the things that it, uh, Gail Lawson, Gail always said, Show them what you know how to do. So, <laughs> a lot of times that you know that showed up in me. That I, I didn't know a lot of. Well, I've had to sing at weddings. They give me sheet music, and that was a real. Been there too. Yeah. yeah I, I, if they let me sing what I know and what I do, it was no stress. So I quit doing weddings simply because that they made me do songs that I didn't know and didn't care about. And being a musician in a small town, you know, you have to do the weddings, you have to do the funerals, you have to do the Christmas parties, because everybody knows that you're you're the one to go to for that. Yep. And uh, it can be stressful, it's I think. It can be. It's, that's, that really takes away the fun out of it. After one of the... There's just a few people in this world besides my parents... But after losing Gail Lawson, but more importantly, after losing Jerry Staley, there was a whole lot of things that just sort of fell apart. I think, I think a lot of people don't know what that's like to play with somebody for years and years, and then a person died. It's like losing a family. No, it's just a, you know, a gaping hole. And, and you remember songs that you played with them and yeah. things like that. It, Some songs that I don't do anymore, not because of such memories, but I needed Jerry. Right. You know right. what I'm saying? Yeah. It just, if, if if Jerry were to magically come back, I boy, I'd, I would I'd go right out in front of the biggest crowd you wanted to do. But I know, I know you, and I I know you treasure the memories you've had oh, with yeah. these people too, um, especially the nights where everything went right. And, everything you know, went right. Didn't do that all the time, and you and you played enough to know. Boy, some nights it just don't. Some nights it don't work. That's right. <laughs> and those are good memories too. Oh yeah. You know, uh, how you handle it. It's the key to know whether you're a, a good musician doesn't necessarily be the most capable one is how he handles mistakes. And, and well, you and I played on stage and, and, and you stumble and give me the dirty look. <laughs> That's what you're supposed to do. Yeah, you said, well, he did it, I didn't do it. 
I, I didn't I didn't make that bubble, but didn't, not to say that I wouldn't. But and over time, after Jerry was gone, then I changed genre again, ended up playing gospel music and talk about funerals. I wished I had counted the numbers of funerals that we played at. We we used. You know, it was all the time. Would you play at daddy's or mama's or whatever? And it's sort of a learn to control. You almost have to be out of yourself, you know. You have to step out. And the ties of being a musician in a small town, too, because both of us played with people uh, that went way on back, even to the 30s and 40s. Older, right. So it gets passed down from generation to generation like that. Yeah, and, and, and having... You, of course, you and I both had a, a mutual friend. He played way back. In fact, the bass, the upright bass that, that I play, came out of the band he played in. And we we looked at the history. The bass was made in the late 20s and early 30s. You have instruments much older than that, but that old bass was an interesting. And I got to play bass for the remaining three of those bunch one time. I always thought it was interesting that, that the fact that we played with Carl Vault, who you're referring to, Carl died at 95 years old. He'd played uh, in the uh, 30s and 40s in yeah. all the dances and the radio programs. Oh, yeah, he was a star. Around. And then he went back, the people he played with were all back in the 20s yeah. and the teens, and it just got, and you know, you learned the songs that got passed down too like that. Oh, yes, exactly. And, and you know, there's, there, of course, new genres have come about, rock and roll mm -hmm. and rhythm and blues and, you know, even different types of rock. And it's all right to include all that, too, but it's nice to know where you came from. It, yeah, it know where I came from. Uh, I had a friend who was writing songs, and he couldn't play an instrument. So he wanted me to, this going some places, a reason for it. But he, he was, he sang this song, and for some reason or another, I could not get the time right. Well, there's an old Mac Wiseman song that's tis sweet to be remembered. And it's played four, four time and then through through four time. You know it goes further back than Mac Wiseman. Too. Well I did you ask he, <laughs> the historian in you but anyway that's where I hadn't heard Mac Wiseman. I learned it from Carl Vaughn. Yeah, I heard it from Carl too. That was in and you know when you, you elicit that memory by saying it and that's what Travis was doing. He's changing time. And I, did, I always thought that was sort of amazing that yeah. he, he didn't know how to play an instrument, yeah. but he could change, he changed keys and he changed time. And I had a terrible time. Had I not learned that song from Carl, I would have, I would have never been able, he changed time. <laughs> would you have, uh, would you have any advice to give to a younger person wanting to get into You know, the, don't, don't buy Guitar Hero. <laughs> that's good advice. Now, I yeah. think that's really good because <laughs> my son is a, really a, a fabulous electric guitarist. And he, uh, his first cousin was playing Guitar Hero, and Jason couldn't do it. He didn't, he didn't understand because he knew how to play the songs that they were playing. But anyway, it, you know as well as I do, start when you're young enough that you... But if you don't believe in it, you, it takes work. It takes work. How many hours have you practiced in your life? And you're just a young man. <laughs> it did you more good than it did me. But anyway, it, 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 
it's it's a it's more of a have trouble with the word you have to believe in it and if you don't drive everybody nuts around you you're not practicing enough <laughs> What <laughs> was you told me your mother said, can't you turn that down? Can't you turn that down? <laughs> You're playing a flat top. Yeah, acoustic guitar. Playing acoustic guitar. And he's, can't you turn that down? Jason, you've turned it up pretty loud. He played electric guitar. But anyway, it's a, it becomes a part of you. And the part that you give to playing music is as important as any part that you can give to anybody. You know, to have the talent to play it to sing, it doesn't make it. You don't have to perform, but the only way that you can pay back the, for the talent is to use it. Don't have to get money. Neither one of us have ever made money. You know, <laughs> it's just a good part-time job. But you know, it's part of you. And it's and well, I don't remember. It's in songs. They said it. You know, the thing that you can take with you. When you leave this old world, it's what you give away. So if you give of yourself, either in church or in any crowd, whatever, it's something, that's something you can take with you. And, and it's yeah. part of giving it away. Well, if it's all right, we're going to get you to take us out of here and do a song. Yeah, I, I won't go back and quote Mr. Lawson once again. You told me that I needed to figure out something, and I thought, well, great day, I can do this. And I know that may not be what everybody, but it's something that I, Gail Lawson said, do what you know how. <laughs> don't, don't, don't try to impress them with something that you don't know very well. So I don't know how impressive it'll be, but it's an old Ray Price. Of course, he wasn't the only one that did it. Well, thank anyway. you for coming, Tim. We'll well, I enjoyed being part of this. Heartache number one was when you left me. I never knew I could hurt this way And heartache number two was when you came back again You came back and never meant to stay Now I've got heartaches by the score Every day you love me less Each day I love you more Now I've got heartaches by the number A love that I can't win And the day that I stop counting That's the day my world will end when you called me and said that you was coming back to stay with hopeful heart I waited for your knock on the door I've waited but you must have lost your way now I've got Heartaches by the numbers, troubles by the score. Every day you love me less, each day I love you more. Now I've got heartaches by.
love that I can't win. But the day that I stop counting, that's the day my world will end.